Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal as we continue the countdown to the loudest hell festival in Drumheller from July 29th to 31st. Canadian groove metal band Tortured Saint is based out of London, Ontario. They once again join the loudest hell lineup this year on July 31st. Their debut album, Message to the Throne, was released in 2018. They're no stranger to festivals as they've played both the Decimate and Armstrong Metal Fests, sharing the stage with bands such as Into Eternity, Origin, Entheos, Within Destruction, among many more. Today I am joined by Tim Reaper, guitarist of Tortured Saint. Hi, Tim. Welcome and thank you for joining me today. Hey, man, what's up? Not much. Yeah, no problem, man. Glad, glad to be here, man. This is going to be fun. Me too. Uh, I know I asked this a little bit earlier, but I'd like to uh, get some clarification. So you've been listed as progressive deathcore and as well as a groove metal band. So for you, what's more appropriate? And um, do you really care about the label? Uh, I'd probably maybe lean more towards the groove metal, but uh, with all the subgenres today, the the gazillion that are out there, it's... Uh, I'll let anyone put the label on us that uh, they want or, you know, and I do feel like there might be some songs that might be a little more death metal and some songs might be a little more groove metal. So I feel like we don't really fit in that neat little box, you know, like we kind of got a little bit of everything. So subgenres don't really bug me. They're, it's a metal band to me, you know? Yep, definitely. And for you, like what, what constitutes uh, groove metal as opposed to some something else like there are there are quite melodic, some quite groovy styles of metal, but I'm just wondering, like, what really falls into that groove metal category? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess when it comes to groove metal, I usually will probably always point the direction of Pantera. Like, if I had to, like, pick one band that I always felt like had that groove, you know, they had the blistering fast parts, but you know, some of the riffs just kind of set in there, you know, they didn't quite, you know, it wasn't technical death metal. It wasn't, um, you know, speed, just speed metal all the time. Like I see a lot of their songs, you know, fluctuate, you know, you got songs like slaughtered that could be, you know, straight up death metal tune, but then you got stuff like, you know, hollow and, uh, cemetery gates and stuff where you're like, okay, well that's, you know, kind of some melodic stuff. And, I feel like we kind of have that a bit like we, uh, you know, not Pantera, but uh, just that style, you know, where some songs are kind of like, hey, this is a really fast one and it could kind of uh, bleed into this genre a bit. But then this other song is kind of like this genre. So I just like to use the term metal and just kind of to umbrella it all, I guess, is my, my way of copping out of that question, I guess, is that's how I umbrella it. You know what? That's a good way to look at it, too. Um and then you're not really constrained by different labels and you're not trying to fit into a certain sound. Yeah. Like I just, uh, kind of, it's like whatever comes off the, off the top. And like when all the guys are sitting around riffing and stuff, it's like, Hey, if it's a cool riff and I like it, or if the other guy writes cool riff and like, we all like it, it's, if the riff's cool and we like it, like, I don't really, Oh, you know, that's too death metal. We can't do that. You know, all, we, we never, we never like, uh, make those borders for ourselves right it's like we like the riff it's cool it slams it fits in with other parts of the song it's like go with it you know what i mean no uh no rules in rock and roll as i, I kind of like to keep it just wide open right and if it sounds cool it sounds cool you know when you guys are putting together music do you focus on how the song uh sounds with the other songs on the album or is it just something that you is like one thing at a time kind of probably a little of both you know, like, 
Yeah, probably a little of both. Like we will come across, you know, if, if I get uh, stuck on something, like I'm just at a wall with something, you know, like the other guitar player, Andrew, he could come in and be like, oh, I got an idea. And within two seconds, he comes up with something cool. And I'm like, I've been working at this for six hours today. And you just came in in six minutes and <laughs> it sounds so much better. Like, I hate you, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, thank you. Like that works. Right. So I think we feed off each other pretty good and uh it's never it's never like no it's there's no rules again right it's it sounds cool and it fits let's let's go with it i like i don't think we've ever had like a bunch of b-side songs like we wrote a bunch of songs and we're like oh you know what these three don't really fit with the rest mm. it's kind of like hey cool perfect those three don't fit with the rest that you know let's go with it let's throw something out the wall see what happens you know? Speaking of B-side uh, tracks, this is a term that I've seen a lot, but I've never really looked into the definition. So I'm wondering, is that something that a lot of bands, uh, they, they call it B-side because they just chose not to put um, certain songs on their album or maybe are waiting for a future release kind of? Yeah, I, I, that's what I think. You know, like either they're songs that didn't make the album and mm. then, you know, maybe they're going to do an EP with it or something or maybe they they just don't feel as strongly about them you know so they kind of call them a b-side or put it on a b-side but it's usually those b-sides are the ones that a lot of people end up liking though yeah that's totally true if you you see some other bands that have like some b-side stuff like i think it i think it might have been uh trivium or i I couldn't remember who it was but they've put out like a a ep a while ago where it was like oh these were just some b-sides like three or four songs that, you know, maybe didn't make the record and they were like the best songs. I'm like, what do you mean those didn't make the record? You know, like I wouldn't ever call them a B side. I would have called them all singles. Like they, they sounded great. So maybe it's like a subconscious thing that don't feel as confident about it or, you know, or you're just putting stuff in the bank and just saving it, uh, you know, for, for a rainy day kind of thing. Would you consider like Metallica's uh, garage days albums? Would you consider those like B side tracks? You see, I guess you could probably call them B-side tracks, but they're so good that it's like, I almost feel like it's an insult to call it a B-side tracks too, right? Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, like, yeah, I I would say, I would say, yeah, maybe, but in everybody else's eyes or maybe some people's eyes, they think they're B-sides, but some of them are really good and they're like, oh man, like I feel insulting it calling it a B-side, you know? I think as long as it doesn't come with that negative connotation, like it's just for me, when I see something like a B side, I just think like extra music and it's fucking awesome. I'm like, yeah, I don't care if it's on the exactly. album or not. Like I've even seen a couple bands that do like uh, different Japanese tracks or, you know, selected releases or something like that. And then later on, they're not exclusive anymore. So they're allowed to release them. Yeah, no, for sure. That probably is it too, man. Maybe the record company has like, we only want 12 songs on this record or something, but they wrote 16. So maybe, maybe some are falling to the wayside, not by choice mm-hmm. or, or it's like, Hey, um, we're going to have a break in uh, in a year. So why don't we save four songs, put out an EP, keep things kind of keep things fresh until we do the next tour or something like that. Right. So I'm sure there's a method to the madness behind it all. Definitely. We talked a little bit earlier about um, different styles of metal. So what kind of metal do you gravitate towards and who are some of your favorite bands? Uh, I kind of grew up on a lot of old school stuff. I was uh, I was pretty lucky that 
my parents, you know, like I got videos when I'm like four years old under the Christmas tree, ripping open presents and it's Sabbath, bloody Sabbath playing in the background. Nice. You know, so, so I, I was kind of fortunate that I always had like really good music in the house and like kind of always had that around me. So I, and I still listen to all that stuff. I'm always, always in search for something new, but you know, it's Black Sabbath, Dio, Judas Priest. If I had to go into like the, the my favorite metal band, it, I definitely always gravitate towards Pantera. Pantera was probably the biggest influence on me. I was uh, I was 14 years old, I think, and it was my very first concert that my older brother brought me to. And my first concert in Detroit was Pantera, Sepultura, and Morbid Angel. Jesus. So for a first concert, yeah, I, I get the same response every time I tell people. They're like, oh, my God, like that was your first concert? I, to this day, I've seen every band live. I've seen Slipknot, The Slayer, and some wild mosh pits. No one to this day has touched that Pantera concert of how violent it was, how wild it was. The, the, the pits moved like tornadoes. You would see the pit in the distance and all of a sudden you were in the middle of it. It was the wildest show I have ever seen in my life. Nobody's touched it hands down. That's crazy. So what do you think the, the reason that, um, that Pantera had such a high level of engagement? I, th- I think it's that they had a little bit of uh, everything that kind of uh, clicked with everybody, right? And it, and Pantera was was waving that flag in the '90s with metal when you know when the '90s and the grunge came around. There wasn't a lot of metal bands, so I think they really connected with people where they had some really brutal, guttural songs and heavy stuff. But then they had you know this love and Cemetery Gates and stuff to kind of like. I think they were appeasing to like all the masses almost. Mm. And, and so like and almost it, being a little bit more accessible then. Yeah. Like the musicianship too was just off the level, you know, off the charts. So, I mean, yeah, I think they just kind of, uh, they had a little bit of everything. They had that, they had that it factor, you know, like when we seen Morbid Angel, it was awesome. And then Sepultura came out and it was great. When Pantera hit the stage, like the mood in the room changed, the climate changed. The clouds start opening. It, it was a different. It was a different vibe, man. It was. Uh, I still have a plastic beer cup, like uh, just a beer cup, that dime bag threw out, and my brother caught, and I held onto the cup all night, and I still have this shitty beer cup from the Palace of Auburn Hills, but Dime gave it to us, right? So that's pretty cool. If there's any scientists out there that could clone a fingerprint off that, you know, you can fucking have it. Uh, So when did you get into playing instruments and guitar specifically? Specifically right after that concert. (laughs) Nice. Word of God. Like, well, I think I had a guitar like in grade eight and I, it kind of, you know, sat in the corner, picked it up and, you know, I'd pull out the smoke on the water for a couple people. And uh, cause that was the only thing I could do. And uh, I was playing hockey a lot at the time. So I was pretty big into hockey, you know, training camps in the summertime and stuff like that. And then I went to that Pantera concert and I stood in maybe about two or three rows back and watched a dime the whole time. That was it, man. It was after that. It was like, fuck, I love, love hockey, but I was like, fuck hockey, man. It's like, 
sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. Like I need to get a guitar and like, <laughs> this guy is the coolest fucking motherfucker. And uh, that really was what like put me head first into it was just like, okay, I like this. And, and a lot of, a lot of musicians in my small town going to local shows. And it was just kind of, uh, I think like a lot of us, it was that sense of like, I didn't know where I belonged because I kind of was a metalhead. So one lunch hour, I'd go hang out with my metalhead friends, have my smoke lunch. And then the next day I'd go with my jock friends that played in the hockey team and I'd have my liquid lunch. And so I was kind of like, I hung out with everybody, but Pantera really did it for me. And just, uh, you know, getting into the music, like Metallica, Megadeth, all that stuff. And I just, uh, st I think more concerts really got me like, Oh, this is like, this is cool. I want to be a part of this. I want to, how can I be a part of this instead of just being a guy in the crowd too? Cause I'm a fan too. I'm a fan first, but it just looked like they were having so much fun. And I was just like, man, I'm like, I'm all in, like, let's do this. And that's, uh, oh, yeah, that's kind of how it are... started. And it's so much easier to buy into the performance when the band's having a good time. Like when they look like they're enjoying yourself, you're like, fuck yeah, this is amazing. The, the, the atmosphere just completely changes. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and what a band to influence me Pantera. Cause it's like, I couldn't keep my eyes off dime. He was running from this side of the stage to the next side, throwing beers out, his playing. Just, you know, he had the pink beard. And I'm just like, who is that? Like, this guy is a fucking enigma. Like, this is the coolest thing, right? So, uh, yeah, he really uh, got, got my hooks in, in me right there. And then get moving into uh, wanting to play the guitar, how did you learn um, the skills and the techniques? Uh, fortunately, I had uh, I had a lot of friends in that were musicians, kind of in my hometown, or other friends that played guitar that were levels above me. So I kind of you know I'd have them show me some of the basics, show me some power chords, and then the next guy I went and jammed with was a little bit better, so he'd show me a few things, and uh, they all they all kind of helped me, right? So it was a lot of friends mm -hmm. from my hometown that just played, and here I'll show you what I know, and show me what you know, kind of thing, and and we kind of all just helped each other, and I think. Uh, jamming a lot too with other musicians. I, I, I credit that to a big part of me um, wanting to learn more because that's when it got fun. You know, you could write a riff and jam in your basement all day long, but then when a drummer comes over and starts putting a beat to it, it's like, oh, man, oh, this is cool. Then it just started opening up, right? And then a friend comes over, starts singing, screaming in the mic, and I was like, another layer, another flavor. So then it was like, it just made you want to, well, we need a bass player now. And it just, you, you couldn't stop, right? So at least for me anyways. So part of that draw for you would be like the progression um, and seeing that music kind of morph into something than just yourself. Y yeah, for sure. And just, uh, and just jamming with my friends, just having fun and learning or that, you know, your friend comes over and he just learned some really cool new Megadeth riff. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. I've always wanted to learn that. Like, show me that riff, you know? And then, you know, I would learn something, show him, and and it just kind of almost became that that friendly competition, right? Where it was just kind of everybody was pushing everybody, and everyone was helping everybody, right? So it was uh, I was fortunate that I had a, I had a lot of good friends that were uh, good musicians and stuff that kind of you know took me under their wing and showed me those basics, and then you know, okay, you know, you learn those chords, kid, you're on your own, you know. And then it was just putting the time in, right? There's a lot of a lot of summers where I was inside and, you know, uh, some other friend, someone asked me a while ago, oh, like, what did it take to, um, you know, 
I mean, my band's at a low, low level, but what did it take to get the, the whole band going kind of thing? Like, I was like, cool. I was like, um, you know, do you go to the beach on, in the summertime? Do you go to barbecues? Do you go to family outings? Cool. I don't. Not, not like I don't want to, but it was like, oh, when you get to go to the beach with your friends, I'm in my house playing guitar. Yep. You know, all oh, the party on the weekend, you know, it's great. Out. We're all going fishing. I'm in my room playing my guitar. Right. So a lot of those are sacrifices, right? I didn't go to, uh, didn't go to all the parties. Right. Sometimes I just hibernated a little bit and just kind of jammed and kind of got lost in my own own world and, and did my thing. Right. Well, it's a sacrifice on one hand, but on the other hand, you're learning, you're progressing in different ways. And it basically just depends on what you want. And clearly that was the thing that you wanted. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was just, uh, if I learned the one riff of the song, I wanted to know the next part. And I couldn't like, I had that OCD where, oh, I can't stop until I learn the next part, you know, like kind of, I had, I had to know it. Right. Or if I went and jammed with a friend the next day is like, Oh, if he, if he knows the next riff and I don't know it, then I want to be able to keep up to him. Right. And had, I had some friends that they're still just amazing guitar players, like can play circles around me. And these are guys that they won't pick up a guitar for like five, six months and they'll still pick up a guitar and just fiddle with it and just play circles around me. Like they just have that natural talent. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate to just have friends like that that kind of uh, showed me their showed me what they knew, and I just kind of took the ball from there and just just put the time in, right? Practice, practice, practice. Definitely was, and forgive me, I can't remember the name of the small town that you lived in. Um, I know we chatted earlier, Tilbury. but Tilbury. So, were you still in Tilbury um, when you were learning guitar? Yes, I was. Uh, I was in Tilbury for about. I think I was like 16 or like 17 when I kind of, I just moved to another village outside of uh, a Tilbury. I was only like 20 minutes outside, but it was that first time freedom away from home. Right. So um, I think, when did I move out to Calgary? I might've been 21, 22, something like that. When I moved out to Calgary for a few years. Mm -hmm. So it was was pretty much the whole time in Tilbury was um, uh, learning my instrument, learning my craft watching some of the local bands in town too, that were just amazing. So that always just kind of pushed you to like, you'd have that charge. It's like after you go to a concert and if you're a musician, usually the next day you're like, you want to pick up your guitar and you want to jam. You, you kind of, you're kind of charged up a little bit, right? Like yep, exactly. you're, you're inspired. So it, it was that just a lot of other people inspiring me and a friend's dad. That was an amazing guitarist. This, uh, this guy from my hometown, his name was horse, his nickname. And he was the second coming of like Jimi Hendrix, like this guy, it was unbelievable. He was a lefty, but I remember going to his house and he would take my guitar, turn it upside down and play along to a Stevie Ray Vaughan album, note for note, plus adding in his own little things. That's pretty With cool. the wrong hand upside down. Yeah. And it, like, he was just the coolest, the coolest guy. So he really, um, he, he showed me a lot of stuff, like a lot of the, uh, the basic stuff that I needed to learn. So he, he was a help too, you know? So once in a while I'd pop in there and say hi to him and, uh, just, just pick his brain. Right. So just a lot of good people in my neighborhood that, that really helped me and, uh, showed me stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you flip the guitar around like that to play on the opposite hand, wouldn't the string arrangements be reversed? If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what yeah. I thought. That's pretty cool. And the, and he would and exactly they would be reversed and he would still follow along to it, 
And I was just, you know, just like, what? like, how are you doing this? Right. I think that was him training me of like, um, the ear, right. Using the ear as much as your hand and the playing, I think he really kind of taught me like how to use your ear and hear where that note is and where that note needs to be type thing. Right. So, Hmm. so with tortured saints, is this like your first band, uh, like, is it your first band that you've recorded with? And second question, is is this your first band altogether? No, um, this would be, I guess, my third band. Okay. Um, and I did recordings with all the other bands. I think that this is the, this has been the most serious band, mm. I guess. Um, I played in a band when I, like, when I was 16, this band called Altered Existence. And uh, we were 16, right? So it was a lot of like Metallica, Megadeth, uh, Pantera influences. And uh, you could even hear some of our singing in there where it was like, did he hit puberty? Did he not? You know, (laughs) (laughs) kind of in between. When I go back and listen to the voice, I'm just like, oh man, like my buddy doesn't sound like that anymore. Like we were young, right? So our our drummer at the time was 12. That's incredible. (laughs) Fuck. I don't remember what I was doing at 12. And his name... His name was Lars, too. That's awesome. So his dad played in a really uh, great band that did really well in the area. So he kind of he grew up with it too, right? And uh, still a good friend. I haven't talked to him a little bit when I I think he's back in Tilbury. But uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun and mm-hmm. uh, just jamming around, jamming covers and stuff like that. And uh, so that was my first band. Uh, I think we did that for a few years, and then I played in another band called Shallow Wake, and that was that was probably around for a hot minute, you know, kind of, I think we played a couple shows and, and then people started moving away type thing. Like it Mm -hmm. was, uh, it wasn't a bunch of, you know, fuck you, fuck yous. And like, we're, we're all still really good friends. It just, uh, I think work life and stuff like that. Right. And and we're all still good friends and stuff like that. Like when I see them, but just kind of dissolved on its own. And, uh, and then that's where I went out to Calgary and, uh, tried to muster some stuff up there and it didn't really happen. And I was, I was driving home from Calgary and uh, it was kind of bittersweet because I was, I guess there was a part of me, I, I was having fun there, but I felt a bit like of, of a defeat, you know, mm-hmm. like oh, I didn't get what I was looking for out here. So I felt a little defeated and uh, I had this string of bad luck that was happening for like just a couple weeks. You know, my car would break down and it was this. And then on my way after I, fix the tire on my car. I get back in my car. I step on a B. My foot blows up to like this big. <laughs> and it was just one thing after another where I was laughing at myself. And I'm like, man, I was like, I was like, I'm trying to do all the right things. I'm trying to be nice to everybody and keep my side of the street clean. I was like, I feel like I'm a fucking tortured saint, man. Like, and I kind of, when I said that out loud, I was like, oh, cool song title. You know, I was just like, so I'll write that down. And then it kind of, it kind of grew on me. I was like, okay. I was like, kind of rings it's easy to remember it's easy to spell it doesn't sound like something uh you know people can mouth you know they not some crazy death metal logo where you're like what does that say you know and i kind of came up with it on my way home from from calgary to london i kind of i said it and just wrote it down i was like oh cool song title i'll go with that one day I think it was just on the list of uh, things when we were picking out band names that uh, we kind of kept coming around. We're like, oh, this one kind of has a little ring to it, right? And uh, lo and behold, the uh, it, it stuck, right? Uh, would you say that like Tortured Saint is kind of, um, sorry, let me rephrase that question. Is it safe to say that you were one of the main creative forces behind Tortured Saint? 
Yeah, I could say that. I guess I was the, um, I was the ringleader. I guess I was the one who was trying to like, trying to find a drummer and trying to message this guy and going to this show, trying to uh, steal this bass player. So I was just kind of the, the middleman trying to get all the pieces to kind of come together. Right. But, but when it comes to the music, it's all, it's all five of us, right? Like it's, uh, it's not one guy in the band uh, just writing the songs and this is it. These are the lyrics you sing them. Like it's never like that. Maybe one guy's got some more riffs than the other guy, but it's, you know, no one's keeping score, you know, like it's, uh, you know, some, some songs Andrew's got more of a hand in than I do. And some songs I got more of a hand in than Andrew does. And, you know, uh, same with like Goran, um, you know, sometimes he comes up with an idea and you're like, oh, we never thought of that. So, you know, that little piece is his. And I've wrote a couple lyrics and threw them at Jeremy's way. And he's like, hey, cool. I like those two lines. I'll use it. And so everybody kind of works together, right? It's uh, it definitely is a, a group effort. So there's no the one thing I always say about like, I'm really blessed to have a really, really great group of guys that says like no egos, no, I want, I want all this and it's gotta be this way. Or, you know, everybody is just on the same page, great attitudes and everybody's putting in their share. Right. So it's uh yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm blessed to have, have a good core group of guys. So I was just the guy just bringing them all together. Right. So, that, that was it. I guess I was just the one on the ones and twos doing the emails and the, and the phone calls. That was it administration. I guess that was, that was about the only thing I was doing. I feel like being in a band would be a lot less pressure or a lot less stressful if you have kind of like a, a working group, like you guys do where everyone has their input and they have their own creative freedom, but everyone kind of like melds their ideas together. Yeah. And, and sometimes your idea doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't make the cut, right? Like, I've had lots of riffs that I, I was like, oh, I really love this riff. And the other four guys are like, yeah, you know what? Cool riff, but it doesn't really fit with these songs. Okay. Yep. You know, and no one's, no one's butthurt about it. You know, there's some riffs, we throw them in the bank and uh, who knows, maybe the next record you're stuck on something and you're like, oh, you know what? That one riff really fits with this new thing I'm doing. And it's like, it kind of almost works as that little bridge that uh, you find a home for it kind of thing. Right. So we just write a bunch of stuff and then just start plugging them in, making homes for it. Let's take this riff, put it here. Let's take this riff, put it here. And uh, our model has always been try everything. If someone's got an idea, let's try it. You know, it's no idea gets shot down before it gets played, tried, heard, given a chance, you know, like, because sometimes even if my idea doesn't make it, sometimes I, I just need to flush it out of my system kind of thing. Just play it. Maybe it's not making the record, but I just need to get it out to hear that, hear it, see how it feels and go, okay, you know what? Yeah. Maybe that riff ain't clicking. Cool. Let's go to the next one. You know? Well, and then that way, all of the best ideas make the cut. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's, um, yeah. And, and nobody gets pissy if they're, uh, if their riff or whatever doesn't make it. And it's like, whatever it's, whatever serves the song, right. Whatever makes the song the strongest, everybody's on board for that. Like, that's that's the main goal. Let's just make the song the best we can, mm -hmm. and whatever doesn't make it, like who cares? Whatever. It's uh, it's rock and roll. You can always write another riff. You know, it's not. Uh, you know, there's lots more riffs to to be had, right? So, 
And at the end of the day, I think we're, we're all just fucking stealing from Black Sabbath, right? So. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it, this is kind of a weird analogy, but it's not like, you know, back in the day when you take uh, like a picture on film, like it doesn't run out. There's no, there's no end to how many riffs you can come up with or how many lyrics or different styles of songs. It's, it's something that, um, and especially now with all the genres of music and the fusion uh, uh, blurring of boundaries and stuff like that, you have no shortage of, of inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, some of the new bands too, like what they're doing, really mashing the genres together, I guess, you know, and, and some people may not like it. You may see some people like giving them hate and that. And it's just like, hey, man, they're trying it though. They're, they got enough balls and enough guts to throw it out there and like, hey, let's see what happens. You know, like it's try anything, you know, it's, yep. that's kind of always been my mo motto. Don't be afraid to try something new and different because that's that's what everyone's looking for is what's the newest and different thing right so go for it you know yep and speaking of new music um you guys had a lyric video out for atrocity and then you guys have already played your first show since the opening of covid my segue here is what can you tell me about your new album dimanthia uh the new album dimanthia i'm I think for the first time in my life, I am like really stoked on this record. I mean, like the first time in my life, like I'm stoked on my own music. Like I, you know, I, I would listen, we record something. I'd listen to it like, oh, that sounds great. And I would, uh, after a while, you don't want to listen to your own stuff. You know what I mean? But like this record, I'm a fan of it. Like I'm kind of like, I'm, it's the first time I'm like really into it. And I'm like, be looking at you know showing a friend or something and i'm looking at the riff i'm like this is my fucking band man like fucking my buddy wrote this like you kidding me like i'm i'm really stoked on it like i'm really excited about it mm -hmm. and i haven't felt that excitement in a long time like i always all your songs and your albums are like children right you love them all but there's something about this this album that uh i just feel like I, there's eight songs on this record but I feel like there that's eight strong songs. Like all of them just really have something that's really making me uh every time I listen to it, I'm just big smile on my face and just and a lot of it's that hard work too, like the hours that everyone's put in. I feel like that hard work's finally like it's it's show it's showing on that on the new album of like how many hours we put in. It's like, hey man, hard work pays off because look at the product we have now. And you know what? If no one likes it. I really don't give a fuck, you know, <laughs> kind of like, because I like it, yeah. you know, like it, it makes me happy. I'm really pumped about it. So, and like, to me, it's like, that's all that matters, man. It's like, we, we play the music that, that we like, I'm, like, we never like, Oh, this is what's going on in metal right now. We got to kind of deviate and go do this stuff. It's like, no, we're just gonna, if I, we write a riff, you write a riff. It's cool. It's cool. We, we all like it and we're having fun playing it. That's what we're going to fucking play. If you like it, cool. If someone doesn't like it, whatever, man. It's uh, it's only music, you know. Like it's some people take it a little too serious, you know, sometimes. And it's like, hey, man, it's just tunes, you know. Let it Definitely. all hang out. You know what? This goes back to your comment about um, Pantera and how like into the show they were. I feel like if you're if you're playing the music and you're really really enjoying it, you're going to put on a live better show and you're going to produce better music. Absolutely right. Like you're just your whole, your whole body language and your attitude. If you're having fun playing it, mm -hmm. people are going to resonate with that. They're going to see you having fun. And like, 
you know, see that you're into it exactly what you, what you said. But if you're up there playing some super technical death metal and nothing wrong with that, if that's actually you love playing, that's awesome. But, and I, I love that shit too. Like I, I listen to lots of like crazy tech death metal. Love it. I just don't know if I want to sit there and play it for an hour on stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that, and I'm just some, I don't feel like I'm that good of a player to be playing some of that stuff, you know, like, you're not going to see me up there covering Arcspire stuff, you know, and I like, yeah, yeah, I'll leave that to those guys. They, they do that stuff better, you know? Yep. So I, I, I stay in my, I stay in my lane. I stay in my realm and, uh, but yeah, if you ain't having fun doing it, you know, I don't care if you're sitting up, up on stage, if, you know, if you're having fun playing, uh, you know, 30 million sweeps in one song, cool. Mm-hmm. Like if you're happy, I'm happy, dude. But if you're doing it to impress someone else or to fit in in a genre, you're not doing it for the right reasons. You know, like, are you making yourself happy or are you doing it to make someone else happy? Exactly. At least that's how I think about it. Right. So it's like, I'm just going to play what I like to play. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, whatever. What are some aspects of your uh, music that you wanted to remain the same? And what are some things that you would, that you wanted to change in this new release? Um, I think one thing that we changed on this album is uh, we played around with some different tunings. So I think the tuning I was playing, I was in drop C and I was playing in drop C for so long that I just, when I started, we, we started writing this next album. It, uh, it just felt a little stale. Like I was just like, I've been playing this tuning for so long. Like I think my ears are kind of burnt out from it. Mm-hmm. So we played around with some different tunings and stuff. And it kind of seemed to like just open up some new flavors. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm finding different places to go now and different riffs to play. And it sounded a little bit fresher, right? It was something new. I think, I think my ear was tired of the, the drop C. So we changed up some tuning on this one. Um, yeah, I think we branched out and kind of we dabbled with some other and into some other genres. I think we I think when we dabble in other genres, it's very short. Like you'll hear us kind of like jump into something and then right back out mm-hmm. type thing, right? It's not hanging on to it for like four minutes type thing. So and I was even purposely myself trying to listen to stuff that I usually don't listen to. I was trying to like find that influence of like okay, I'm not the biggest fan of this band, but they got 4 million records sold. And, you know, so something's clicking and some people like it. Like, and a lot of bands, maybe I don't like the vocals, but I love the guitar work and all that. Right. So some of that was, uh, I was trying to broaden my, my ear in the the spectrum of my music. And I'm like, I'm going to listen to stuff out of the box and just see if some natural influence kind of comes out of it or whatever. Right. Just to, to change it up so i get for me anyways that's what i was doing so i'll probably fuck his name up because he's french um is it is your lead singer jeremy yes okay i didn't want to fuck up his name um actually him and he's i have similar last, last names name you, bro <laughs> i think he's got the same last name as you bro How can you fuck <laughs> it's <that> close up? <laughs> um so you and Jeremy both commented on the album in a previous interview, and he said, uh, hidden beneath the guise of religion and public servitude, the chosen few who control the world burn it within inches of depletion. The working class are turned against each other, left to smolder among the remains. So does this mean that your new album is going to be telling a story rather than speaking on a specific topic forthrightly? I think so. I, I'm, 
I, I've read a lot of Jeremy's lyrics. That, that would probably be a question better for him. Okay. He's a little more eloquent at uh, answering that stuff. But from what I've gathered from like talking to him about it and like reading his lyrics, yeah, definitely. I think there's some more stories in there, some personal experience, um, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the world mm -hmm. and uh, things like that. Like, like for instance, there's a song and this is kind of, this is kind of creepy. And this is kind of like devil driver kind of did the same thing with one of their songs. We wrote the song that's like on the new album, there's a song called pathogen. Mm -hmm. We wrote that song a year before the cat COVID happened. We had it recorded, named the lyrics and everything. And the whole song is like literally about the pandemic before the pandemic. Like we didn't. So when the pandemic happened, we were like, whoa, man, like that, that's kind of funny that like, not funny, but that's, that's crazy. Like that <laughs> our song's called pathogen and the whole song's about a virus. And like, we never meant to do that. So, so for people that are listening to that song and think it's like, oh, you know, they wrote a song called pathogen for the since the times it was like, absolutely not. Like we, we did it before. And then it was like, Oh my God, like this is all about what's going on in the world. Like just kind of funny how, how things play out, but we wrote that and it was recorded and like getting mixed when the pandemic happened. So it wasn't like a week into the, before the pandemic It was well recorded and done. It's kind of like a harbinger of things. To come. Yeah, man, it was just crazy. Right. So but Jeremy's, um, he's such a great writer. Um, like some of the words he'll use in, I have to look it up in the dictionary at the source. I'm like, what is he talking about? And it makes sense. Or it's like, oh, well, there it is right there. Like, he's just such a smart dude. And his, his writing is, uh, it's a pleasure to read. Cause he just, he'll use some big words. And I'm just like, fuck man, I'm not smart enough. How do you pronounce that word? And <laughs> It's just, uh, but they all make sense too, you know, like even the context of how he's writing it, like I'll kind of look and, oh yeah, it does make sense. Like he, he's on the money, right? So he's, uh, just a great writer, you know, he's, uh, educated guy too. So yeah, he writes some pretty, uh, great lyrics, man. And I, and it's, I just leave it all to him too. Cause he does that. So once in a while, if I have a lyric, I think is cool. I'll throw it to him and he's like, yeah, you know. I'd be like, cool, Tim, and you know, crumple it up, maybe throw it. To <laughs> <laughs> Makes you feel good just but, uh, making uh, it. Exactly. I'll put it in for the jam tonight, and yeah. then uh, once I leave the room, the guys are like, "Nah, we're definitely not doing it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Devil Driver, you're working with Mike Spritzer again. I don't know if that's how to pronounce his last name. Yes. Okay. Awesome. How did you get involved with him originally, and uh, what was your experience like? Uh, how we got involved with Mike is, um, so me and Mike are signed with the same, uh, string company, SIT strings mm -hmm. and, um, a really good childhood friend of mine who, um, uh, my buddy Hoogie, Jeremy Dona, he, uh, he is the guitar tech for Shinedown and he okay. used to be guitar tech for Lamb of God and stuff like that. And like, I went to grade school with him. So he's been a big help at, at uh, you know, helping us little guys out kind of taking us under his wing and he's an AR rep, right? So he's got, um, a lot of companies underneath his belt that he has with his, his A-list guys. So he's kind of took us under his wing and, um, kind of signed us up. And, um, I met Mike a few times and I can't remember if it was at NAM or if it was at a concert, 
but I think it was just previous before I ran into him again, I seen a video online of like his home studio. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think it was a few weeks later when I ran into him, we just got done recording, but we were looking for someone to mix. So I just, Hey man, I just kind of seen you had a new studio up. I'm kind of looking for someone to, to mix the record. Right. And, and a super nice guy, man, like so, so great. And uh, he said, Oh, like, okay, cool. Like send me some tracks. Like, let, let's see what we can do. You know, like I'll take on a job. I think he, I think he was in between a tour. Right. So he's like, yeah, I like to take on jobs and, and produce some stuff, mix stuff. So we kind of got involved that way. And then, and my buddy Hoogie too, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I called him and was like, Hey man, like, I know you're uh, a little more friends with Sprites. Just want to send him a message and just tell him I'm, I'm cool, man. You know, like I'm not, uh, you know, a crazy fan coming up to you, you know, going to send him something real weird. So I got Hoogie to kind of give that secondary vouch for me to, Hey, he's a buddy, you know, he's all right. Kind of thing. Yeah, he's not fucking insane. So. I was so nervous sending because I'm a big Devil Driver fan, like huge Devil Driver fan. If I had to list like my, my top five bands right now in the metal genre, Devil Driver's there. And that's just not I've told him that too. Like it's not blowing smoke up his ass. Like I've had posters of Devil Driver on my wall. And like now, you know, now I'm working with the guy, you know, and now I think me and him, I think me and him have spoke once a week for like the last three, four years like on these last two records. Cause it's always me and him going back and forth with mixes and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we sent him the tracks and that was a nervous night. Cause I was like, I send him all the tracks and stuff and like us being the low level band. I laid the, I remember laying there in bed. I'm just like thinking the whole band devil driver is probably sitting around his computer, listening to my songs, fucking laughing their ass <laughs> off. That's that was going through my head, right? It was just that anxiety where I'm like, ah, like, because I, I look up to the guy, right? He's just he's such a great musician. So I was so fucking nervous. I was just like, oh, he's gonna think this is so horrible, like, you know, like thinking everything, right? And so to get that call back and to be like, hey, man, like this is pretty cool, like, and he really liked our singer too. He's complimented our singer a lot. He's like, man, your singer's fucking pissed off. Like he's awesome. So that was like a big sigh of relief of like, okay, like, uh, we're all, we're okay. You know, maybe, maybe he's just telling me that too. Right. But, uh, just getting to know the guy, just so down to earth, so cool. And just a fountain of knowledge too, like of, of recording. He'll always explain to me, well, I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing this. This is what I like to do on leads. And this is why I'm doing this in the mix. So it's, I, I just, I've learned so much from like working with them that, um, you know, knowledge is power. Right. So, and, and he's always, uh, always there to give me a hand too. Like there's been lots of times I've texted him, you know, two, three in the morning, Hey, I'm stuck with this. Uh, how do I do this? Right. And always answers me right back, you know, like never, uh, just he, no ego. So down to earth, just the most humble guy you'd ever meet. Like just awesome. He's so he's, he's been a huge pleasure to work with and he's made a sound like just amazing. The mix is, they're, they're just top notch. He keeps out doing himself every time. He does another mix, so it's uh, it's been a lot of fun working with him. He's been a big, big help. I, just listening to what you just said, it sounds pretty cool because you you're now working with somebody that you looked up to. Um, you have that validation from him showing that you're working uh, going on the right path, and not only that, but you're learning so much on the way. So it's like it's a cool journey altogether. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I got. 
I got a lot of other friends too in the music biz and they do the same thing. Like everybody's, everyone's helping each other. Right. And I'm, I'm the, you know, the lower level guy. So, you know, I might have the more questions than, uh, than some of the others, but everyone's always cool to point me in the right direction help me out. And, um, yeah, man, it's just been an absolute pleasure. Cause like I look up to him as a musician. So, you know, before it was like, we're working together and we're colleagues, you know, and then like now we're buds, you know, like, yep. you know, now sometimes I'll just give him a shout and just shoot the shit on the phone. Hey man, what's up? You know, what's going on? And so, and, and we, you know, we, we might go out and do the next, re- the next record. We're going to go out to California and go do it with them. Oh, that'd be cool. And go actually physically do it out with them out there. So like really looking forward to that, you know? So, yeah. Do you have a timeline as to when uh, Dimanthi is going to be released? It is literally in mastering right now. Nice. It's uh, it's in getting mastered by uh, Alan Douches in New York. So I'm honestly I'm expecting the masters back. I should have them maybe back this week or the next. So well before we go on tour, which is in about a month. So very very soon there'll be some uh, some new music out. Like I'm I'm literally like hanging by my computer every day just like refreshing the page nope not yet not like it's <laughs> we're that close so almost there it's been a it's been a long process that's really exciting especially with how you feel about the new album yeah right i think i think the anxiety and the excitement are just clashing with each other or you know i catch myself okay i've, I've had about four t's today and i'm still pacing around the house <laughs> like you know the mix isn't going to come in the next two minutes. Like just go do something else. Be patient. Cause I'm just so excited about it. Right. So it should be very soon. So we haven't really picked an official release date, but at any time now it's, there'll be, there'll be some new stuff before the tour. So I'd, I'd like to hope by the end of the month, we'll maybe have a, have some of those songs uh, back out, back up. You just finished your first show since COVID this past weekend, didn't you? Yes, yes, we did. How did that feel to get back on stage after so long? Oh man, that was that was awesome. That was, uh, and it was there's a bit of a bit of funny too because it was kind of, you know, we're all joking around. We're like, okay, where does this plug in again? Does <laughs> this, this end go into this end, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's been a minute, right? So, um. But it was great. Like, what a great turnout at uh, Maxwell's in Waterloo. And we played with some other, uh, three other great bands, uh, Raider, Lotharo, and uh, Rippard. And uh, just a great turnout. Like, I, I kind of, I, w- I guess I wasn't really expecting that great of a turnout. Not that it wasn't great bands, just things are just starting to open back up and kind of, like, came out from the merch booth and was like, holy shit, like, there's a fucking lot of people here. Like, and just a, a great crowd too. And uh, so that was, that was a great show to like for a first show to kind of come back and uh, dust off the cobwebs. And, you know, it, it was, uh, couldn't have asked for a better, better small show to come and uh, kick it off again. So it was a lot of fun when you're playing in the basement and practicing these songs, I think we jam maybe two times a week and you haven't got to play it live for three years. You know, it's kind of like, well, can we go have some fun tonight? And it's like, we've only been working on this for so long. So it, I think that was a nice relief of just to like, Hey, we can just have fun tonight. And you know, we, we worked so hard on this. So like, let's just jam it. Who cares if you mess up a note here, or you mess up a note there. Like, you know, let's have fun. 
And and that's exactly what it was. So a lot of fun. What else do you have uh, left to get ready for Loud as Hell? Um, merch. That's kind of uh, usually left on me. So a lot of uh, merch to print. Um, printing a lot of merch for some other bands and stuff right now too. Oh, so cool. just trying to get all those jobs done before I leave. And and the other bands got their merch, right, for when they're doing their shows. Uh, we just bought a van yesterday, another van. So I bought a van, a tour van, about seven years ago, eight years ago maybe. And the kilometers are getting pretty high on it. And I was kind of like, Ugh, I, I don't know if, you know, this thing's going to make it out to uh, Loud as Hell is Back. So we just went and bought a new van yesterday. And it's like a 96 or a 95 GMC, like the A-Team style van. Yeah, a really cool, cool van. So uh, we're just getting it fixed up right now and getting it ready for the road. So that was one thing that we had to get ready. And uh, just some merch, I think, just printing up a bunch of cool new merch, new hats and stuff like that. And yeah, just I think just uh, getting some practices in, right, and just kind of figuring out a set list and stuff like that. I think uh, I think all the hard stuff, I think, is done now. Which Now it's just uh, put together some artwork, some things like that, video clips and have some fun with it now, right? You mentioned uh, the new van, and it seems like you're really excited about this. And I think bands are the only ones that are that should be rightly excited about owning a van. I had a friend just the other day start to tell us about this minivan that he has, and I couldn't stop laughing because I'm like, dude, that's not something to be proud of. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's uh, I've seen we've seen a few vans while we were shopping. I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's gonna make it fucking out of my driveway. Like, fuck, like. <laughs> But um, the tours, like, I think, I think the van life is like, or just being moving on the road, whether you're in a van, you know, whether, you know, you, you get to be in a big A-list tour bus or you're packed up with your gear above your head in a little car. I think the, the drive is like, is half of the, the best part too. Mm -hmm. Because like when you're in the vehicle with all, all your friends and, you know, it's, it's hot, it's sticky, it's you know, you're crammed in there. It's not comfortable, but you're going down the road, just laughing, joking, seeing the sights. And like, I think that's like an important part of tour, like kind of doing that and doing it together instead of like everyone like, Oh, I'll meet you at the show. I'll drive there myself. You know, we kind of always like every show we kind of like to travel as a unit instead of like everyone just kind of waltzes in when they do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or shows up in another car type thing. So for me, that's exciting anyways. You know, I guess once you do it, I guess maybe, maybe the guys have been doing it for 20 years or like, yeah, I've, I've had enough fucking excitement of that, but I don't know. I, I like it. I like roughing it. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's just the jokes and the memories you make on the way. They're fucking hilarious. They're priceless. Right. So is that one of the reasons that you guys had the idea of doing the, um, Odyssey to the West documentary? Yeah, it was just cause we were, we were filming and, um, uh, and Jeremy was so good at just like making funny little videos and narrating stuff. And, uh, we just had so much stuff and we got home. We're just like, well, fuck, I'm, I'm tired of pulling my phone out and keep showing a friend like, Oh, well then we were here and this happened. It's like, well, let me just throw it all together, you know, throw a couple, couple moving titles on there and make it look kind of cool. And, uh, and, and yeah, like it took a while to do too. I think me and Gorn worked on that for like six months. It's like, just editing stuff. We had, cause we had so much footage, everyone from their phone, just 
scenery and scenery and scenery. Like you can only get so many pictures of a mountain, you know, when you're out there, <laughs> but, uh, and we're, so we're going to do that again for like this tour. We're going to try to film and as much stuff as we can, even if it's just off the cell phone, funny roadside stuff that you see, or, you know, some guys snoring in the back and, you know, and you got to kind of poke fun out of them a little bit, you know? So, uh, so we're going to do that again, kind of, uh, throw something together and, it, and that, it's always good for our friends to see and, you know, mom and dad and stuff like that. They can always kind of ask, Oh, what was tour like? And it's, you know, something, something for the friends to kind of check out what, uh, what it was like and, and, and something to document too. It's something I, maybe I, uh, maybe when I'm 70 or something like that, I can go back and, and watch it and kind of refresh some memories that I had when, when the Alzheimer's maybe kicks in or, you know, whatever you get old enough, you start forgetting things. Right. So, well, and you guys had a good mix of uh, like pre-recorded music, live music, as well as scenery, and then a couple breaks in between where you guys are talking and having some fun. So it seemed like an all-around cool project. Yeah, it, w- it was really fun to do. And like, even I think going through the film too was just kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot that. Oh yeah, I forgot we seen that. I forgot that happened. And it was like, oh shit, look what he's got on film. I never knew that happened. So I think everybody got to kind of see... Uh, uh, it's like a little bit out of everybody's bird uh, in the band's bird's eye view kind of thing. Like, Oh, this was the lens of Jeremy. You know what I mean? You get to see the lens from Goran, get to see the lens from Andrew kind of thing of what he was doing that day type thing. Right. So, and it, it was a beautiful drive. So it was just something to kind of uh, look back on. And uh, we were super proud of that, of that tour and centuries of decay for taking us out. And we never knew them before the tour. And it was like, as soon as we met them, it was like, like we've been friends for years. Like it was just like we clicked instantly and just a great group of guys to, um, to go out with. So this year we got another band from Toronto, a good friends of ours, uh, my hollow. Uh, they're going to be coming out with us on this tour and, uh, another great band. They just put out some really good, uh, a couple of good songs, a couple of good music videos. I think one of their songs, they got, what is his name? Born uh, the guy, the singer from, uh, soil work. I don't know his name, unfortunately. Yeah. And so anyway, they got the singer from soil work kind of like featuring on one of their tracks and stuff, which is really cool. That's huge. That's a huge, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Great group of guys. And, uh, same thing. We're just going to have a raging summer and, uh, go for a cruise, have some fun and looking forward to it, man. And especially being cooped up with this COVID stuff, right. For the last few years, it's, uh, Looking, looking forward just to kind of get out of Dodge for a minute. No doubt. And um, are you planning on staying the full three days in or at Lotus Hell? Absolutely. Yes. Nice. Yes. We'll be there. I think we play Edmonton the day before and uh, the Thursday. Mm-hmm. We're going to play Edmonton. And then we're going to go right to Lotus Hell. And like, we're not playing till the Sunday, till the, the last night of Lotus Hell. But we're, we're, we're going to be there Friday and Saturday too. To, uh, like, there's lots of other bands I want to check out and just... Uh, just hang out and just mingle and just kind of uh, enjoy the whole weekend, you know, get the, the camping in and just get the full deep meal deal of it. Right. So uh, Saturday night, we'll have to make sure, uh, you know, no one's getting a little too, uh, too saucy, you know, <laughs> that, that hangover don't, you don't want that, that bad hangover in the morning and uh, it's going to be hot too. Right. So pace, your, pace yourselves in the heat, my friends, pace yourselves. <laughs> So forgive me if I'm wrong, but this is your second time playing Loud as Hell? 
No, it's our first. It's your first. Oh shit! I thought I saw you on one of the other posters. Yeah. Um, you know what it was? It was uh, we were supposed to play loud as hell. I think it was we were going to do it 2019, but mm-hmm. then the pandemic shifted it all. So we're we're just kind of doing this now of what we were going to do in 2019. So you probably seen the old poster that didn't happen type thing, and then we just kind of moved uh waited till 2022 to get on right. So. We did decimate yeah. and we did Armstrong. Okay. But we didn't do loud as hell that year. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Cause I, yeah, when I saw that, I thought I was like, oh, that's great that they had the experience. They can, you know, tell me a little bit more about kind of how it was. Um, what are you looking forward to the most about loud as hell? Um, I think just all the bands, right? Like uh, it's a whole Canadian lineup this yeah. year too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like every band's from Canada. A lot of them are, are, are friends too that we've known and we've played shows with. So just haven't seen them in years. So it's kind of like looking forward to that too, right? Just uh, meeting some some new friends, meeting some old ones, hearing some new music. And uh, festivals are kind of, they're nice because you can, you can camp, you can kind of mingle with everybody as opposed to sometimes if you're, if you're on tour and you've got that weekday show and you got to get to the next place, you might show up half to play and then you got to start tearing down and load up the van and you got to get on the road and start moving. So I don't, you know, don't maybe get that time to kind of like, you know, if there's a few people that showed up. Maybe I want to go say thank you or, you know, hang out for a minute, talk to some people. I guess maybe sometimes those shows, if you got a, if you're on a schedule, you can't really do that. So I feel like the festival's a little bit more relaxed where it's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're here all day. We're here all weekend. You know, we can go talk to everybody and not constantly like, you know, you're talking to someone about keep looking at your watch. Like, okay, I got 20 more minutes. So, you know, it doesn't seem as rushed, I guess. So yeah, you can be I'm, like, I'm just looking band. forward to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned earlier um, that you're um, sponsored by SIT Strings. So I saw some other things on your Instagram there. Um, the sponsorship by WB Gear. Are you also sponsored by Solar Guitars, uh, Diamond Pedals, and the Intune GP? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I use all those. I use all those products and door small. Um, Diamond Pedals aren't really. Uh, I think they're still a company. They're a Canadian company. Okay. Um, I just kind of heard from a friend that they might. I don't, uh, maybe they've just went quiet for throughout the, uh, pandemic type thing. Mm. So, but yeah, those are all products that I use and, um, endorse and, uh, WB gear is my friend that I was talking about earlier. Um, that's like his company that kind of umbrellas all, all the companies that he's the A and R rep for, for those companies. Right. Kind of thing. Right. So not, not diamond, not solar or whatever, but Intune, SIT stuff like that. And, um, and then the drummers with, um, Pearl and like Los Cabos drumsticks. And so, yeah, they've all been, uh, you know, those companies usually, uh, throw us a NAM pass. If we, if we ask for one and we go to California NAM, they're always really, really cool with giving us a NAM pass. And, uh, we always help out at the, at the booth too, at the SIT booth when they're, when they're doing like the artist signings and stuff like that. So we'll always help out. Cause it's, it's always the, the, the big dogs that are doing the artist signings, right? We're at, uh, we're at the bottom of the uh, the list there, but uh, it's we got the we get an invite to the party at least, right? So like that, it's really cool. They're all really uh, really cool guys too, and they always help us out, give us deals on things, and uh, you know, unfortunately, like 
the big names, you know, they're getting all their stuff for free. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I gotta, I still gotta pay for it, but they, they still give, give us a fantastic deal. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good, man. Well, it's a good partnership to have now. And then who knows what happens in the future? Like if you end up growing, that might be something that you get in the future. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, even for, you know, some small low and, um, you know, we're the lower level guys on those endorsement lists, but when you have a few of them, then, you know, maybe some other companies kind of, kind of take you seriously too. They kind of see that and go, okay, well, there's a few other companies that are kind of recognize these guys, you know, well, okay, we'll work with them too. So it kind of, uh, it's been a big help like that. Right. So I, again, it's a lot of it's, um, I got, I got some good friends in the right places. Right. So it's not, uh, I don't like to take all that credit where all my talent is getting that credit. So yeah, I, I got some friends in good places that kind of have helped me out. So I'm, I'm, I'm humble about that. Like I, I'm fortunate that I have uh, really good friends in the music industry, you know, same with like Glenn Fricker who does, uh, you know, Glenn Spectre media. And not yet. You don't. I don't. Oh, you know, Glenn. Oh, I know you know Glenn. You, you've seen him on YouTube, always screaming at bass players. <laughs> I I don't recall the name, unfortunately, right now. But I'm gonna definitely. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's another he's a YouTube guy, right? Okay. So uh, he's helped us out a lot. Had us on his channel, on his show, and um, you know, uh, reviewing gear, demoing gear, and stuff like that. You know, he's he's up to maybe about five hundred thousand subscribers. Oh wow, something like that. So it's sometimes when he does a video and kind of throws us a mention and stuff like that, it, he's putting us out in front of uh, a lot of eyes and ears, right? So. Uh, Again, it's friends that are kind of helping me, right? It's, I think, I think music business, they all who you know, right? So, well, friends are not, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give you a shout out if they didn't believe in your skill and, and your worth in that, in that realm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, and they're, and they're all really good friends. I think we all, most of us, uh, we kind of started with a working relationship, I think, first, and then we became like really good friends, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, and, and we help them out, uh, just as much as, as they help out us, uh, us out too. So if SIT needs some uh, guys to help around the NAM booth, you know, just like, cool, we're there, man. What, what can we do to help? Right. And Glenn needs someone on a video or sometimes he's just passing by and Hey, I need to uh, store some gear here for the night while I'm, I'm going to a concert. I don't want to leave all my cameras kind of in my back or my gear in the back of my car. Absolutely. You know, drop it off here in the, in the studio and, you know, so we're always helping each other. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a give and take. So it works, works out good and we have fun, man. It's yeah. So it's all about how I, I believe in helping everybody. Right. And help. We're all in the same race, man. So it's like, let's all just help each other out and build each other up instead of like, you know, pissing on each other's grass type, type thing. Well, the best way to progress, and at least in my opinion, is to bring everybody with you. If you can, if you can all establish that you're working towards like a common goal, it's so much easier for everybody to have better input, to feel better about it, and also achieve more. Absolutely right, and that's um, yeah, it's, it's it's that's exactly what it is. Just everybody just pull, pulling each other up, right? Like, hey, I got to connect here. I'm going to connect you with them. Hey, I need a hand here with something. I'll I'll give you a hand, you know, and it's everybody wins that way. You're like, exactly. you, you get ahead by from someone, uh, you know, everybody's had a door open for them, yep. you know? So if you can open a door for the next guy, do it. You know, I'm, I, I like to believe in, in karma too. If I, if I, 
help somebody out, you know, uh, maybe that means down the road when I'm in a jam, someone's going to help me out. Right. So I'm a firm believer of keep that coin in the karma bank and, uh, and they're friends, right? It's like, it's like, I don't, who doesn't like helping out their friends. Right. So it's exactly, and I love seeing my friends succeed and like something work for them. It's like, that makes me happy. You know, it's just like, Oh, cool. I was able to help him with that. And now it's like, he got past that barrier wall and his thing is like fucking super awesome. Not because of me, but just, I helped in some small way, get him by something or somebody helps me with that. Glenn's helped me a lot with like technical issues too, right? I'd be recording something on my pro tools and stuck with something and just call him up real quick, you know, and he's, he's a busy guy, but he'll answer my call. Oh yeah. Yeah. I do this, do this and take the time to help me out. And it's like, ah, oh, dude, you just saved my fucking ass again today by doing this. Right. So like I, I just had another producer, uh, Tom Ireland, who would do all the vocals just with him. My pro tools just crashed the other day and I was making some backing tracks. Oh no. And he just fucking bailed my ass out a day before the show and made all the backing tracks for me. And I'm like, Oh dude, like you're a godsend. I'm like, what do I owe you? And he's like, Oh fuck. Don't worry about it, dude. Ha happy to help. And it's like, it's people like that. That's like, oh, dude, like you fucking saved my ass. So then when if Tom, ever, if he ever needs anything, you know, I'm there. You know, you just ring the bell, dude, I'm there. If you can reduce the size of any obstacle moving forward, it makes it so much easier to achieve that goal. And then you're going to feel so much better when you get there. So I don't I don't understand when people put up roadblocks or they don't want to help others out. It's just it's a strange mentality to me. Absolutely. Like, like why trip somebody up in it? You know, I think it's that old, that saying, you know, uh, be nice on the way up because you're going to see all those people on your fucking way down, right? Exactly. So, yeah. you know, and I've, you know, I guess maybe some people, you know, insecurities and jealousies that maybe they act that way or whatever. But uh, no, man, I'm all about like, I've had a lot of people help me. So how can I not help somebody else? Like, I, I feel like personally, I'd be a dick if I didn't because I'm like, everybody's helped me with this. I wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff without all the help I got from my friends and industry friends. Like I, I got, so I got to pay it forward or then what the, or what the fuck are we doing if we don't, you know? No shit. Something that I see a lot, uh, unfortunately is, is like a sense of entitlement. And I guess where I'm going with that is, you know, sometimes I hear, Oh, that's not my job or something similar to that. But at the same time, it's like, who cares if it's your job or not? Like if you can help something and make it easier for everyone again, it, it just, I don't understand it. It's such a weird mentality to have. Like if you go out of your way to help somebody out, even if it's not your job or it's not like your strength or whatever, that person in turn will probably help you out. And then they're going to hold you in higher regard as well. Like, yeah, ab absolutely. Right. And it's, and it's going to be that one time that you don't help someone out, say at a show, where you're like, someone wants to use a piece of gear. Like at the show we just did, you know, the other band was just like, hey, could we use your, like, use your drums? And my drummer's like, yeah, man, absolutely. Like, no fucking problem. Yeah, right? just don't break them. <laughs> but it would be, but it would come back to bite him in the ass if he was like, nah, you ain't fucking using my drums. And then we go to a fucking another show or something and something of his drums breaks. And then all of a sudden... You got your tail between your legs going, Hey man, can I, can I use your drums? And then, you know, then it'd be like, well, fuck you didn't, couldn't use your drums last time. Now you're asking me yep. that karma, right? So exactly. not that you always have to share your gear. If you don't want to, that that's cool too. But it's, it goes back to like, we were talking about like just helping people, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
because you're going to need the help one day. So, you know, put that, put that karma in there. You know, everybody needs a hand or needs a fucking help sometimes. So why, why be a dick and why, like, why be like that? Right. If nothing else, it just makes it that much harder for you. If people think you're one of those guys that just don't go out of their way for anyone else, because then nobody's willing to yeah. sacrifice anything for you. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, yeah, like, uh, you're going to come bite you in the ass if you don't, you know, if you don't help somebody or if I don't pass on some help that I got, you know, I'm, I'm just holding on to it. Like I, I, Oh, I, I could help you, but I'm just not going to for my own, fucking empowered ego you know makes me feel fucking tough or something like who, who the fuck's winning then i'm no not shit. fucking winning by not helping you and you're not winning by not getting help like so why fucking do it right well even in the music realm look at where people would be if nobody shared knowledge or talent or uh technique like we'd pretty much be in the musical stone age still exactly like same with like uh like with youtube right everybody putting out um videos or you got guys like gary holt and like exodus and you know showing you how oh this is how i play this riff you know what i mean if you didn't have like things like that like you're helping a kid learn that riff but maybe he's learning that technique from that riff that's going to help him in his own riff exactly so like that's the coolest thing when everybody's like kind of helping each other and and showing showing maybe your little tricks and your little uh you know, your, your little secrets that maybe kids like, like it's, it's everybody wins that way, you know? And it shows like, imagine when you first started things, um, being able to work and not necessarily work with Dimebag, but also, or just like watching him on YouTube, if you were able to learn from him somehow, imagine how cool that would be like looking up to one of your idols and saying like, holy fuck, I have unlimited accessibility to this guy. And you would have progressed so much faster in the beginning. It, absolutely. Right. And you got a lot of these big name guitar players that are doing like, I think some of them, like even during the pandemic, they were doing like lessons, like kind of, uh, you know, like Skype lessons and kind of opening it up and like, yeah, maybe they're charging you 50 bucks here, you know, hundred bucks here. Like, you know, they're, they're trying to make a living too. Like they're trying to work. I get it. But you know, I don't think it was ever like a, like a cash grab thing. It was more of just like, Hey, I'm kind of bored. I need some work too. Like, you know, when you're not on tour, you're not making any money, Yep. but then they're showing some kid, uh, their riffs or they're getting that private lesson from their, one of their guitar heroes. And like, how empowering is that, you know, like to get off that call and be like, you know, Mark Morton from Lamb of God just showed me, like, I just had, a, I just was talking to him and jamming with him for an hour. That yeah. kid is going to be on such a high and try even harder to go like, you just inspired him. Like, you know, so like that, that kid that is getting way more out of that than, you know, maybe Mark is, but you know, look what you just did for that kid. He's always going to remember that he's going to take those skills, you know, and, and, and run with it, you know? Yep. So it's, uh, it's, it's great seeing everybody help everybody and, and doing those things too. Right. So getting a little hot in here. <laughs> um so my last question for today um unless you have anything else you'd like to cover um i don't know man i think we i think we covered a lot of, a lot of a lot of good stuff the tour stuff and new album and uh yeah there's nothing really um i guess nothing really other on the news side for myself that uh 
other than just new music coming soon, it's, it's, it's really coming soon. So we have two lyric videos and uh, another music video that are going to come out with it. I guess I can kind of leak that. So we do have some music videos that are coming out and, um, music video we did in Toronto with Michael Jari Davidson. So Mike was one of the guys, um, he sang in this band lesser known that was, did really well back in the day from our hometown. Like they would play Harpo's in Detroit and stuff like that. And back in the days when there was no internet and you had to fucking poster up the, the street poles, you know, like doing the real work. Yeah. You know, instead of just a fucking post and link it to everything type thing, right? And uh, his band was so badass. And, like, he was a huge influence on me of going to those shows when I was a little kid. You know, my, my older brother sneaking me into the show because I wasn't old enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, 20 years later, full circle, he's a music producer, video producer now. He's done music videos for N-Seeker, Wake, Alice in Chains, um, like just does some phenomenal uh, camera work. And it's so funny that like full circle 20 years later, that guy I was watching on stage and looked up to, you know, I never thought in my head, oh, you know what? Fucking 25 years from now, you're going to be shooting my music video. And now we're like kind of working together again. And it's just like, it's come full, full circle. And it's just like so cool of like, wow, like you were one of the guys that kind of inspired me when I was a kid for, to do the whole local thing, local band stuff. And again, now I'm working with him again and we kind of reconnected 20 years later and uh, it's, uh, yeah, he's been a pleasure to work with. Uh, he does some fucking awesome work. He's got a good crew with him too. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, home runs, just, uh, been hitting home runs with other people again, back to that other people helping me, you know what I mean? Like he's kind of making big movies and working with big name bands. He doesn't need to, you know, worry about my little band, uh, off to the side, but he's like, Hey, you know, like you're a friend, but I really believe in what you're doing and I like what you're doing. So I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. You know what I mean? Let's do a music video together. So it's, again, it's that helping, you know, somebody, somebody helping me, you know? So it's, it's, it all all comes back around. Right. So uh, we're, we're just having a lot of fun, a lot of fun working together with everybody. And that's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, nothing, nothing bad I can say about, uh, about the crew and the album. It's, uh, Really, really excited on this one. I keep, I keep calling this album our black album. All, all, all thriller, no filler. <laughs> I like that. I'm pretty yeah. stoked to hear some new music and obviously see your new music videos. Uh, so my last question for today is, if people are looking to find your music, where is the best place for them to find it for you guys? Um, well, because the new music isn't out, but usually it's just... Uh, the, the regular stuff like uh, YouTube when the videos are out, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much all your uh, major streaming platforms. Like we, we pretty much uh, pump it out all across there. So all the, the last records all, all still up on iTunes and Spotify that uh, people can go listen to and super proud of that record too. Everybody kicked ass on it and it was awesome. And uh, this record, um, same thing. Like it's going to, it'll be out and available on everything. We, we got a new drummer on this record, Jared Sterling, and he's kicking ass. He's, uh, he's been a nice, um, nice addition to the, to the crew and, uh, kind of just something new, something fresh. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it'll pretty much be out on everything. I think, you know, Amazon or what, what are all the, 
what are the kids using these days? Anyone use Deezer or whatever? I tried it is? using that once and I was like, what the fuck is this? Half of them when like I upload it to like, uh, you know, distro kid or CD baby or whatever, which one we use. It's like, I know Apple music, Google play, iTunes and Spotify. Then there's this long list of other stuff that I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but if someone's <laughs> using it, cool, you know, title or uh, yeah, there's, I think there's so many fucking platforms now. It's like, but that that's cool. If somebody likes a certain platform and then it's available to all of them, I think that's great. So I think more bands have have missed like bands, uh, local bands have missed the boat on that of maybe not putting their music out or they just put their music out on YouTube or iTunes mm -hmm. where it's like, Hey, you know, maybe you don't use title. You don't use Deezer, but there's probably someone who does. So why not throw it, all your music out there, make it as accessible as you can. Yep. And you know, and it does, it's no extra work or anything either. So, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see all the music, new music will all be uh, across the board on all the socials. So it's, Looking for any time now, right? It's uh, I know I keep saying the checks in the mail, but it's uh, soon, 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 my friend, soon. Awesome. Well, Tim, I want to thank you again for joining me today. Um, I know you got a lot of stuff going on, so I just want to say I appreciate it, and hopefully, uh, we'll catch up at Loudest Hell. Yeah, y'all, you're gonna be there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I've decided to All go right. by myself. I think so. That should be fun. My first experience. Oh, okay, if you're well, if you're. If you're by yourself, we're going to wrangle you up and uh, <laughs> we'll have some treats for you. Sounds good. I like that. Okay. Hey, man, this was a lot of fun. Like, let's do this again sometime. It was, uh, you know, thanks for your time of uh, doing this and invite me on. And uh, yeah, man, awesome. And uh, can't wait to uh, for loud as hell. And uh, we'll definitely have to uh, have a beer or two when we, uh, when we link up at loud as hell. 100%. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.